Well, church, as I mentioned, we have brother, reverend, doctor, all the titles, Jerry Kula with us today. Many of you may know and have met Jerry before, but if not, he is an elder in the United Methodist Church in Liberia and a member of the Liberia Episcopal area. He is an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, an administrator, and a friend of Mount Horb Church, a partner of ours as well. He also serves as the vice president for graduate and professional studies at the United Methodist University, Monrovia, Liberia, which is a fancy way of saying that he is smarter than Bryce Holdman. Okay. <laughs> you are going to be blessed. The Lord is going to bless this time. Would you join me in welcoming Jerry to the stage today? Good morning, Monhoreb. God is good all of the time. All right, so back home we say God is good, and the response is all the time. All the time, God is good. And some folks will say I am a witness because they have a testimony to give. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm here this morning with my wife, uh, Ruth Callis Tenup. Uh, that's my high school uh, sweetheart. <laughs> From high school time, we've been friends for 42 years, and we've been married for 31 years. I also have my, my colleague, a pastor from Liberia, Reverend Allen Pei, here. <clears throat> it has been such an awesome time being with Monhorab this weekend. We came to be a part of the missions conference. And I was quite shocked and surprised to know that Monhorab appears to be local, but you are global. Amen. Not many churches like you. At the missions conference, there were 26 of your partners from around the world over there on Friday when I had the opportunity to speak to them. And it just amazes me. And I'm so honored to be a part of your family. I come this morning to bring you greetings from your sisters and brothers in Liberia. Had it not been for your global nature, I was not being a part of this church because it was on 2019 when your senior pastor Jeff and Trevor came over to Liberia to join me and train some pastors. And then in the process, I, I guess when you remember, when my little car broke down, I had them sitting on the motorbike to join me go around <laughs> and preach. And then little did I know that you were going to see the photos. <laughs> but guess what? By seeing that photo, it was not too long when I heard from Jeff that the congregation is saying that we should buy your vehicle. Now I have a vehicle, <laughs> a new vehicle. Praise the Lord. So it is just important for us to go where God wants us to go and do what God wants us to do, and he'll take care of the rest. Amen. And so uh, it has been an honor for me to be here this weekend, and I want to say thank you once again for your partnership and support to Liberia. Because of your partnership and support, we have about 12 houses now being built for the least of these. These are people, many of them widows or widowers, who have had to live in the, the farm because they don't have a home in the village anymore because it has broken down on them. But because of the new structure we are putting up, we, some of them now can come back to the village to live. And it's because of your partnership. 
Recently, we were able to complete the construction of a bridge to help them get their crops from the farm into the town where they can sell and have some resources, again, because of you. So I come this morning along my wife and Reverend Allen to say thank you, Mount Horeb, for your partnership and support to our work in Liberia. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. On Friday, I guess some of you probably were not here, but we were focusing on the church on the move. And that's a new dispensation. That's a new context God has brought Mount Horeb. Okay? You are on the move. You have been on the move, but God is taking to a new season. A new season of doing, maybe doubling what you've been doing before. And so the theme from Acts was the church on the move. And so when I came and reflecting upon the, the text, Acts 1.8, where, where uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and on to the uttermost part of the earth. Reflecting upon that and seeing what you want to do, what, you, what your vision and things are, I began to see the church on the move with a message to the nations. A church on the move to reach the nations for Christ. Because in that verse, it tells about, it talks about our local context. It talks about our immediate uh, context and, of course, uh, beyond our immediate context and also to the ends of the world. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. Our Jerusalem, of course, our family, our first ministry, our offices, our communities, the school system we find ourselves, the medical institutions in which we find ourselves are all our Jerusalem. The poor and marginalized within the community. And then our Judea and Samaria are our, our communities outside of our immediate context. And to the ends of the earth is where you find yourself currently as you go to Cambodia, as you go to Haiti, you go to Nigeria, you go to India, you go to Liberia, and you go to many other places. You are already doing all of this. So all we're doing this weekend was just encouraging ourselves with some truths that we needed to, to understand as the church on the move. And so some of the things that the Lord enabled me to share on Friday, I want to just highlight before uh, launching into what we have to share today, because it builds upon it, is the fact that it must be the church on the move, taking the liberating gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations, then we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is our source of empowerment. So when the disciples were very discouraged that Jesus was leaving them, he encouraged them. I'm going to leave you and go to the Father, but the Father and I will send you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will fill you. So on the day of Pentecost, we saw that manifestation. The church was born, and the church began to move to the ends of the earth because the church was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I submit to you that if we must be the church that will take the gospel to the ends of the earth, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because our intellectual sophistications are not enough. 
Our ability, talents, and skills are not enough for the tax. John Wesley is a humbling example. He studied at Oxford. He had all the knowledge. He knew German. He knew Spanish. He knew Hebrew. He knew Greek. He knew all the languages. At a tender age, he was ordained. But there was something missing in John Wesley's life. He had not encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he had not been genuinely born again. But because of his intellectual skills, he was quickly commissioned and sent to America, to Savannah, Georgia, to be a missionary to the Red Indians. On the boat coming to America, there were the Moravians also on the boat. And at a certain point, the story tells us that the boat almost capsized. And in the midst of that, the Moravians were singing and clapping their hands, praising God. So that even if they both capsized, they would open their eyes in heaven. But that was not the story with John Wesley. He was scared to death, worried and troubled. And he began to, uh, he was so afraid, like, what's going to happen to me? He knew something was missing in his life. But as God would have it, they both settled. And they made it to America. He became friends with the Moravians. But John Wesley's ministry was not successful because the source of his empowerment was absent. God, the Holy Spirit, was absent from John Wesley's life. And so as he went on, his ministry became very confusing. He became frustrated, and he escaped America back to England. Very frustrated, disillusioned, confused, facing an uncertain future. And so it tells us that one day, he went down to Addersgate Street, where the Moravians were having their Bible studies. And he heard someone reading the preface to Romans, written by Luther. And it was at that moment, around 9 o'clock in the evening, when the Holy Spirit arrested John Wesley. He knelt down and cried to God. And he said his heart became strangely warm. He encountered Christ for the first time. The Holy Spirit took over his life. He left and went to Germany and got some discipleship training. My friends, when John Wesley came back, he was never the same again. No local congregation could contain him to the extent that some of the priests of the Church of England got angry with John Wesley and tried to pull him out. And John Wesley said, well then, the word is my parish. And then you move out. And we are where we are today because... The Holy Spirit took over John Wesley's life. My friend, we each need the Holy Spirit. We each need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Another reason why we need the infilling of the Holy Spirit, because those that we are engaging, we have this, the dark world between us. The forces of evil are trying to arrest them. And the enemies we cannot see physically. So the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers of the dark world, against principalities and powers. And the people that we are trying to reach are also being obstructed by the dark world. So the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the God of this word has blinded the eyes of unbelievers 
lest they see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ and believe. So the struggle is not physical, and we cannot depend upon our intellectual skills or abilities alone. We need them, but we need God, the Holy Spirit, to indwell us, to empower us. When that happens, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, we become more than conquerors. We are conquerors, but when the Holy Spirit takes over our lives, we become more than conquerors. Praise the Lord. In addition to being filled with the Holy Spirit, my friend, we need the message. The message from the undiluted Word of God. For God so loved the Word that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God commanded His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. This is the message that brings liberation. This is the message that brings hope. This is the message that brings healing. This is the message that brings deliverance. Unfortunately, today, there are many people who have abandoned the word of God and are giving unto humanistic philosophies and think that there, are, there is a progressive message. More than this, my friend, it's a lie. This is God's word that has never been edited. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is useful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So that the man of God, the woman of God, might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. To move on to the mission field, we need the Holy Spirit of God for empowerment, but we also need the message. Number three, we need the medium. We have the Holy Spirit, we have the message, but we need a medium. And the medium I submit to you is you and I. The vessel that the Holy Spirit might use to communicate God's word. And in order for this vessel to be used, the vessel must be consecrated and sanctified. How well is your vessel this morning? How consecrated and sanctified is this vessel. Because when the vessel is sanctified, it becomes the medium to effectively communicate the word of God. Oftentimes, some people end up being bad news, trying to proclaim the good news. Because the vessel is corrupted. Praise the Lord. We need the vessel. You and I are the vessel. The fourth thing we need to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, we need the Holy Spirit of God. We need the word of God, the message. We need a medium, but we also need the methods. Praise the Lord. At this point, the matter is dependent upon our giftings, our ability. My dear friend Eric is a medical doctor. And every time he helping mothers to give birth to their babies, as he, as he does that, he is communicating the gospel. That's his method. Mine might be standing on the pulpit. When Sister Penny is writing the checks and organizing all the finances, she's proclaiming the gospel. That's her method. The business people, those working around here, and all of us involved with different things. I mean, our teachers for our children, for our youth and young, and you do those things. You don't have to be 
the Jeff Cassie on the pulpit. You don't have to be the Trevor Miller on the pulpit. You don't have to be Michael on the pulpit. You don't have to be Johnny's crossing national borders. Your resources, as you give them, you are making investment for eternity. A lot of you are preaching in Liberia through Jerry Kula because of your resources. May God bless you in Jesus' name. Those are some of the, the tools we need. Now, so as we share this, we realize that by doing this, we are able to lead men and women to Jesus Christ. Look at the medical team. They went to get medicine. Look at vital signs. But in the process, 431 persons came to faith in Jesus Christ. My friend, this is what it takes. So, the piece I want to add to this has to do with discipleship. And it comes from our text, St. John chapter 15, verse 16. In St. John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go forth and bear fruits. Fruit that will last, fruit that will remain. Now, I want to understand what's happening because this verse concludes his conversation with them in the upper room. Chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15 of St. John. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. He has had the Passover meal with them. And then he has washed their feet. And then he sat back on the table and shared with them about his plans. That very soon he will leave them. And in fact, one of them on the table will betray him in the hands of sinners. He will be persecuted, he will suffer, and he will die. They all became very discouraged. But he assured them that death could not hold him captive. Because up from the grave, he will arise with, with triumph over his foes. He will arise as a victor from the dark domain and with his sins to reign. Even at that, they were still discouraged. So Jesus invited them. Come on. And he, he began to take them to the Garden of Gethsemane. As he was walking with them to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus passes through a grapevine. And then, uh, let, let's see what the grapevine looks like. Uh, that's, that's my next slice. <laughs> he passes through a grapevine. And as Jesus was passing, he saw the nice fruits on the branch. And he saw the branch stuck in the vine. And he saw the vine stuck in the soil. Jesus said, guys, I want to give you my parting words. Take a look at the vine. Like this, I want you to know I am the vine. And you are the branches. My father is the gardener. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you shall bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And he went on explaining to them that he concluded with verse 16 when he said, you know what, Ping? I'm in charge. The mission is my mission. You are my stewards, responsible to work along with me as my vice gerent. But I am in charge. I'm leading you. And so he began to share with them and said, look, if you must bear fruits of internal value, Number one, the, the, the branch 
must foster collaborative relationship with the vine and the gardener. I am the vine. You are the branches. So the vine must get stuck in the vine. The vine must get, the branch must get stuck into the vine in order to get the necessary nutrients it needs to be fruitful and productive. To be fruitful and productive, that's what needs to happen. And so, that's what he said to them. You need collaboration. The next thing he said to them, branch, you must stay connected. Stay connected to the vine. Because that is the source of your fruitfulness. Stay connected to the vine. Oftentimes, we get disconnected. And that's the next slice that tells us what happens when we become disconnected. When you become disconnected, there are no more nutrients going into the branch. So it welters. And that's the believer who will not enjoy fellowship with other believers, who will not spend time in God's word. In order to get stuck into the vine, we must spend quality time in the word of God. We must be prayerful. We must enjoy fellowship with other believers, and we must share our faith. Those are things that we need to do to remain stuck in the vine. But when we refuse to remain stuck in the vine, we'll get disconnected. And we get disconnected, we become waiter. There's another picture associated with this. The fruits look very nice, but if you go close to it, you realize that the fruit is bad. It's smelling, it's stink, it's rotten. My friend, that's the believer who appears to be carrying the good news, but it's a bad news. Because the lifestyle of that believer and everything he or she does are contrary to the will of God. So we must stay connected. Finally, if we must bear fruits of internal value, we must have love for God and love for the people to whom he's sending us. So the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter um, uh, or, or, or one of the verses, yeah, chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, says the love of Christ compel us to do what we are doing. So without the love of Christ, my friend, you might be afraid to go. You might find it difficult to go. So we must love God and love the people to whom he has sent us. When we do that, we will be able to bear fruits that will last. And the fruit that will last are the disciples. So you realize it's one thing to give your life to Christ. It's another thing to pursue faithful walk with God as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's discipleship. As you learn to grow in your faith through the study of the word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Spending time in God's word. Thy word have I hid in my heart, David says, that I may not sin against thee. In Psalm 119, verse 105, he said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We must be prayerful. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, 
Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petitions with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We are encouraged to also join in fellowship. I really appreciate the men. I don't know much about the women, but I was invited to the men's breakfast. And I saw great men coming together, leaving their jobs and other assignments, and coming together and spending time in fellowship. It reminded me of Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. A basis for spiritual growth and numerical growth. It is not sufficient for the church to grow numerically, but the church must also grow in depth. And that happens when we enjoy fellowship with one another, breaking bread together, studying the word of God together. And that's what I see the men here doing, and I want to celebrate you. I want to congratulate you. Also, sharing our faith. Letting someone know that God loves them. That God has a wonderful plan for them. As it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. People need that message. Because there are many who are suffering in silence. There are many who are hurting in silence. There are many who are dying in silence. And it takes you and all to give them this liberating message, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I conclude this message, I want you to realize that we all stand in need of God the Holy Spirit. We stand in need of knowing the scripture and communicating it. We stand in need of being the proper medium that God will use. We stand in need of using the different methods, whatever we have, our skills, our abilities, to communicate God's word. When we do so, then we will be able to say like Charles Wesley, a charge to keep I have, a God to glorify it, a never dying soul to save, and fit for the scar. Before I take my seat, I'd like to pray for you, whatever the needs are. I want to join you in prayer. You can stand up in the pews where you are. You want to walk to the altar. I want to just pray for you so that if you need a renewal of God's spirit in your life for the mission he has called you to, you can do it. If you need to be more effective in the word of God, in communicating as a message that brings healing and deliverance, I want to do that. I want to pray along with you. If you want to be the kind of medium that God will use, sanctified, consecrated for the master's use, I want to pray along with you. If you want to know what your methods are and how you can effectively sharpen it and use it to advance God's kingdom, I want to pray along with you. Amen. Amen. What a blessing, Dr. Kula. Thank you so much for sharing your heart all the way from Africa. And I'm going to stop talking so that he can pray. <laughs> okay. Let me pray along with you. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we appreciate you. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your kindness. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for your plans and purposes for this church. I pray for all who are praying for themselves right now. 
whether to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, whether to know how to effectively communicate the message or be the kind of medium you will use, oh God, or to just stay connected to the vine. Answer our prayers, oh God. Bless us anew, oh God, and lead us in a path of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for answering us. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen.